everyone, it's Tom Kradza. And listen, I challenge you, if you do not believe you can live life on your terms, listen to this episode with Barbie Perry. Listen to how she has lived her life. And I'm just blown away. I've never quite met anyone who has so many U-turns and curveballs going on in her life. And they're all really designed by her because she's chosen to live her life this way. It's an amazing story. She is truly someone who is living life on her terms with her husband and her kids. She's a Canadian, lives right here in the greater Toronto, Hamilton area. You'll hear all about it. And uh, I just really feel honored and grateful that she would come in and share her story with us. So uh, Barbie Perry's story, I'm not going to tell you any more than that. I'll let you listen to her story um, as we walk through the different adventures that she's had in life. And I can't wait to see and learn about the next 10 and 20 years in her life. Uh, And if you are listening to this and you want some real estate investing information, the best way to come and meet us is one of our training classes. About once a month, we have an introductory free training class. You can sign up for the next one. They're always jam packed. So you need to register. Um, you can sign up for the next one at Canadian real estate training.com. So that's Canadian real estate training.com. I'm going to say it one more time, www.canadianrealestatetraining.com on that website. If you fill it out, Jenny or Anthony from our office will reach out to you, confirm your spot, give us, give you the details of the date and the time. Um, and you can uh, come out to that class. We get lots of great feedback from that class. It's pretty much how the majority of different Rockstar Inner Circle members and investors that we've worked with have initially met, uh, met us. I give that class. Both Nick and I are uh, at that class. We stick around afterwards to answer any questions you have. So it's probably the best way to come and get some real estate investing information. We share current examples of how we're investing today in the great Toronto, Hamilton, Golden Horseshoe area, and we stick around and answer any questions that you may have. So that's CanadianRealEstateTraining.com. And with that, let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, we are live. Um, Barbie is in this. I I feel like I have to say studio, even though this is my office with some mics set around the desk. But Barbie's in the studio. Barbie, remind me your last name. Perry. How do I know that? Barbie Perry. Um, Nick is here. Ratha is here. You haven't heard Ratha's name before because she just started with us. Her mic is currently on mute, but we'll see if we change that throughout the uh, the podcast. And I just wanted to check, Nick, can you hear me okay? No, I can't. <laughs> can you please repeat yourself? Barbie, Nick loves it when I ask if he can, I can, he can hear me okay. I think so, so, a couple of times he's been like, I'm, so I'm sitting right in front of him where you are. And he's like, are you there? <laughs> no, I'm not. I meant, are you there? Like, can you, you know, are you there on the system? Can you hear me? See, Barbie's nodding. She agrees. So, uh, Barbie, just let's start at the beginning. Um, you've been, uh, you've been investing since you were, uh, you've been a long time rock star in our circle member. We we're very, very grateful for that. Thank you. Um, but you started investing when you were 18. Yes. So how did that, how does that come to be? What's wrong with you? Yeah. Like you are, <laughs> I was just saying you, you started when you were 18, you're crazy like us. You fit right in here. Awesome. Uh, um, how did, yeah. So how did that come to be? So my husband's grand grandfather passed away. So we ended up buying his family farm from the estate. Okay. Oh my gosh. So your first property was a farm? Yes. With livestock? Well, not with livestock. It was a cash crop farm. Okay. But this was like 
I was working full-time for Microsoft. My husband was in university. And we lived in what we called the Panel Palace in the ghetto of Guelph. In Aldo's basement apartment. Don't tell myself it was a ghetto. No way. Yes. So you're saying Aldo because Aldo. Uh, oh my God. I remember you told me that. I <laughs> yeah. forgot. I forgot yeah. that too. Yeah. Because you guys saw each other at one of the events or something. I'm like, that's my like first landlord. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Aldo. So if you're listening to this, Aldo is also a real estate investor. He had rental properties. He was your landlord. Yes. Um, he's a Rockstar Inner Circle member. Great guy. He's a great member. He comes out to all the events. He's so gracious. Well, maybe he's not a great guy. Let's see what kind of landlord he yeah. was. No, he was good. <laughs> yeah. He was good. Are you sure he didn't give you a hard time? Yeah. No. Let's throw Aldo right under yeah, the bus. Yeah, yeah. Aldo, we love you. If you're listening to this, we love you. Um, so you were, uh, that's funny. So And Panel Palace, because it was all like panels on the it wall? It was the 60s paneling Got with it. the nice carpet. Oh, yeah, <laughs> don't tell me it was an orange shag carpet. Oh, a little less shag, but it was, you know, the orange, the marbly orange yeah, 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 for yeah. sure. Yeah, whatever have How did anyone think that was good carpet? Orange. Oh man, we'll just think what they're gonna look back on in twenty years now and look at the stuff that's in the yeah. house and be like, For how sure. ugly was that? One of our first rental properties together it was a student rental property. Uh, there was a shag, like a red shag carpet. Like it might have been orange, but over the years it just Faded. changed colors into some dark red burgundy. Yeah, but shag rugs are still. I mean, they came back in a few years ago no, and they're in uh, now, right? But we a different to, style. Of we course. were putting laminate in it, but we had to pull all the carpet out before the laminate guy came in. Do you remember us rolling it up? I remember pulling it out onto the front lawn and the amount of dust and stuff that came out as we pull it out do you remember that it was gross it was like 40 years no it was so disgusting I wish there was a visual of so your face did. as you disgusting. said that I wish it we could so, put it was so the bad. image for this podcast should be Tom's face oh, that man, is still, it was still so when that's just the same that. property we yanked the toilet out of and this toilet I think was like 50 years old and when we pulled the toilet off the mount the smell that hit my nose and there was water slushing around in it. You remember that? And and, we, and I was holding the toilet and it was slushing around the leftover water oh in the God. toilet. And I just went into the backyard through the kitchen door and I threw it and it smashed into a million pieces. It was just disgusting. These are the joys of real estate investing. Absolutely. As you know. That property, that like hundred year old farmhouse, a couple years ago, we did almost like a full reno on it. So I feel your pain. Did you so open did the floor, you, open the walls? Oh God, what are we going to find? So you guys did the reno? Yes. Oh, wow. So um, both self-taught on renovations and kind we, of... Con- like, we just... I love working with my hands. Like, nothing makes me happier than, like, laying that floor, doing that backsplash by myself. So when you guys got that property, you immediately rented it out? What did you do with it? It was actually already being rented. Okay, got it. So that property became your first rental property. You bought it from the estate. And was it a cash-flowing property right from the get-go? Did it pay for itself? No. Farmland rarely pays for itself. You went extremely. So it's more of an appreciation with farmland because it's got a high initial cost. Did you have someone farming it? Like, did you lease out the land to a farmer? Yes, we we rent out the land to a neighboring farmer who actually rents out part of our home farmland too. And then we rent out the house separately. Okay. So So our first tenant was there for 14 years. So you still have this place? Yes. Oh, okay, cool. So... Now, 14 years quite well for the for tenant. Us. That's pretty cool. Yeah, for country properties, it's a lot longer. I guess. Well, yeah, you're more committed to something. You know, people that are, you know, in the city, you can hop three blocks because you want, you know, the, the latest condo versus the current one. And if you're moving out to the country, it's more of a commitment. Like you like the lifestyle. You want the land. Once you get used to your land, you kind of like it, right? Exactly. It and it's more in demand, too. So country properties don't come up that frequently for sale or for rent. So if you can get oh, in, they they stay. Mm-hmm. But then and I can't raise the rent. 
Yeah, you can't yeah. raise it. Uh, well, you get to raise it 1.268. this year. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> but so was that your, you said at 18, though, and you said your husband. Were you married at this age? No. Okay, so this was your boyfriend at the time? Yes, boyfriend. Okay. And then you, so you had this property that wasn't paying for itself. How did you guys, you were feeding the negative cash flow every month? So I dropped out of high school to go work for Microsoft. So I had a little bit of income coming in. Okay, so how, sorry, how did you get hired at Microsoft dropping out of school? Someone saw something in me. What? I worked there like part-time while I was in high school, but they had to wait till my 18th birthday. Are you talking about the Microsoft Mississauga campus? It was in Brantford. It was oh, one okay. of their... Um, like one of their call centers in Brantford. Okay, got it. So we did the Microsoft Networks, like the AOL competition. Oh, got it. Yeah, I remember that. Holy so my smoke. 18th birthday, I got a call in my guidance counselor office offering me like 50 grand when I was 18 to go do this job as one of their managers. So I got a team of 56 people and... If I, was I dropped out that day. If oh. I was making fifty grand when I was eighteen, I'd be. What it, I'd be. There would be a lot of partying going on. I don't know if I. I, I wouldn't have started investing so real estate. Eight, like, 18, I was so you're dropping out of high school. Yes. And then what did your parents say about this? Well, I hired my mom, so she was okay with it. No way. <laughs> you hired your mom. That's one way to get around Holy it. Holy yeah. smokes! I mean, I okay. had her work under a different manager. Yeah, yeah, got it. Yeah, you don't want your family being directly reporting to the boss. No. Which is mom, you. make make my lunch today. I'm gonna fire you. Yeah, yeah, yeah got it. <laughs> she still made my lunch. It was so embarrassing. This is such a crazy story. So you drop out of high school, you get hired by Microsoft, and is this the same year that you get this farm property? Yeah, it was a couple months later. Couple months. I mean, my husband's always been like a super hard worker. He's worked on dairy farms since he was nine years old, and had good jobs during like summers at university. So he had some cash saved up too. Yeah, awesome. you know, I think farmers get a bad rap. This is slightly off topic, but yeah, just hearing like, yeah, he's a hard worker and working on dairy farms since he's nine. Like working on a dairy farm, that's a lot of work. We're farming of any kind is a lot of work, and I think in our society today, so so often. Uh, I, and I think it's about to change and we're starting to see it because people are valuing the quality of their food more and people that can can create and raise good food, they, they value more. But I just think farmers in general often it's looked down upon. They're like, oh, you're a farmer. Yeah. You, you know, I think they're going to be the next heroes, though. I think so, too. Because I, I, I think, think the shift quali- is starting. Yeah, I think yeah. it's starting. Yeah. But for so long, they've been looked down upon. I think it's a, I think it's a, like a, I, I think it's a mistake with, yeah. with the way society has kind of like the stereotypical the stereotype of a farmer uh, ha- yeah. has gone. You know? and, and, uh, and my family's probably just different in that way. But, you know, we have uh, we get our food from True Local, which is basically a middleman between farmers in Ontario and getting your food. And we tried these chicken thighs. Have you ever tried the chicken thighs from True Local? I get them from I get oh, them from get another the, yeah. farm. Yeah, okay, yeah. so these chicken thighs are like the best chicken thighs that I've ever had, and we're talking around, uh, and I'm t- I know a little bit about these chicken farmers because I read True Locals emails and they're like the chicken farmers are you know these this couple and it's this lady and they raise the chickens and I'm telling my son like this is the farmer and this is her chickens and we're eating her chickens and they're amazing. He didn't care and, at all though. Right? No, no, he was talking about it and I'm like you know we should go visit this farm sometimes. <laughs> So yeah, that's a little ridiculous, but I do think that um, it is. No, going to- I went to visit my farm where I get my cows. I yeah, go to the farm. I, get a kick I know the farm right, like first name basis. I've gone up, watched the cows eat, watched them pee, I watched think, them poo, <laughs> I think, watched them eat their own poo. I'm like, I don't know if this is good or not, but anyways. I think like ten years ago when Beretta, do you remember when Beretta Farms yeah, first came yeah, yeah, out? Yeah. We went up there and they had like a wagon ride where you could go through the pasture where the cows were eating the grass, and we went through the wagon ride and we like waved to all the cows. We're like, and I felt Yummy. so bad. Yeah, I'm like, I'm, I guess we're gonna be eating you later <laughs> as we wave to the cows. It was ridiculous. So, but anyway, back to Barbie. Yeah, back, back to Barbie. Back to 
uh, it's just a dairy farmer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bad rap. So, um, eighteen, you guys have this property. You're working at Microsoft. Um, you then do you buy other? Do you continue on a real estate investing journey at that age, or no? Do you go on pause for a little while? We went on pause for a little bit. Okay. And then we got married. A couple, like I don't know, maybe about three or four years later. Okay. And then I was like oh, eight months pregnant. Still living in the Panel Palace, thought maybe we should pick up the pace here. I got it. So three weeks before I delivered, we got our first like single family home primary residence, which was super exciting yeah. in Guelph. Awesome, cool. So while all our friends were buying like three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars, getting the two SUVs, just graduated or just got their masters, we're like mm, two hundred. Can you take any off that? So, yeah, yeah, got it. And so what age is this? Probably around twenty one. 21 that's you're young doing all this stuff um and then how how many kids do you have now two two kids how old are they now yeah so austin is 12 emily's 10 yeah got it okay so first um first boy the boy was austin was first yes um you get this home and then did you go did you go back and finish high school no okay so you have uh, th like three years after so just before austin maybe nine months before austin I realized that, well, I taught my boss how to do his job when he got promoted. <laughs> we've all we've all shared stories like that. Before, yes. Yeah. And then he was like, not so cool anymore. I didn't like my new boss. So I thought, if anything ever happens, I'm kind of screwed here. So I took continuing education classes at night for marketing. So I oh, hmm, cool. will I like this or not? So I, yes, I love it. So I decided to resign from Microsoft, got walked out and started school at Mohawk College for marketing the next day. So, so I like fast tracked so, uh, an advertising who, uh, who and a marketing program. Yeah, like what the heck? So you just decide that this is going to be a dead end, basically. Well, I just wanted to have other options. Yeah, yeah, no, got it. Smart. I mean, I lo we love the decision, but uh, what? So how old were you when you left Microsoft? Like twenty one, like before right, I had Austin. Yeah, right before you had Austin. Okay, and then you go do continuing education at Mohawk on a full-time basis? Well, I did the continuing education before I quit because I wanted okay. to see, is this a program that I like? Do I like this topic? I liked it in high school, but that didn't really last. So I decided, yes, I love the marketing and then decided to go like full into the education on the marketing. And well, because I already did a lot of it for Microsoft, I just fast-tracked the program with 90s and got her done super quick. Took a couple of like years worth of courses for advertising too. It was nice. Like, I didn't really care about the social aspect. I played varsity badminton while I was there, but that was my only social aspect. I'm like, bam, got my work done, went home to my husband. Yeah, got it. Got it. So I was able to do it, like, super fast. You are definitely a unique character. I mean that in a really good way, but, yeah, we don't really meet too many people like you. So so you do this, and that's where the mar the interest for marketing, we're going to talk more about what you're doing with marketing and stuff, but that's where it all kind of stems from that age. Yes. Okay. Why did you decide marketing would be something you would explore? Like, what made you even think about marketing? And the reason I ask is because I didn't understand the value of marketing until late 20s, even after I understood sales. Where I'm like, huh, if you're good at sales, there really is a big opportunity in the world for you. But then sales needs marketing to kind of drive customer interest to them. And that's kind of where I got my interest in marketing. Where did that interest come from? Was it random? I'm not sure where like the marketing specific part came in. But I remember we were doing something on like urban planning in grade six. And it was like, oh, where would you locate your McDonald's? Would you locate it out here in the middle of nowhere? Would you locate it by a highway intersection? And just like... The correlation between the decision making kind of intrigued me. 
And then that kind of went into marketing you a little the, bit more. Yeah, the fact that you were thinking that way in grade six, when <laughs> I was thinking about recess foot hockey and like if we're going to get the field or some other kids are going to get the field. Yeah, you were definitely ahead of your time. Um, and I'm just curious, when you left Microsoft, did anybody tell you that that was going to be a bad decision in your life? No. No? So they were glad to see you go, Barbie? <laughs> well, she left high school yeah, and yeah, no one yeah. said it was yeah, going to no, be a bad saying, decision either. Because so like yes. 21, if you yeah. leave, it's like, well, I guess you have the whole rest of your life to do whatever else I you mean, want. I mean, I think they were sad that I left because we always had like the top performing team and my team would always get prizes for like the monthly award winner because we just always won. So they were kind of sad to see me go. Okay. So then uh, you get this, your first home. Do you have, I don't even know. Do you have other rental properties? Yes, we do. Okay. Can you, so how did those come to be? Can you tell us a little bit about that? So we actually, um, when Chris's father passed away, we purchased the original family farm from his mother. So we moved back to the family farm in Drumbo. So we have 50 acres there too, where we reside right now. So we kept the single family home that we first moved into in Guelph. Yeah, got it. And then a couple of years later, we used Mike to buy another single family home in Brantford. Got it. Single family home um, right in Brantford. Where's Drumbo? You said Drumbo. Where is that? Just paint the picture for people who won't know where that is. It's like me. between Cambridge and Woodstock on the 401. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Um, okay. Wow. So at an early age, you're collect- You're not just collecting rental properties. You have these like farms that you're collecting. Yeah, right now we own two farms. One's our primary residence that we have sheep and cash crop on. We rent some of that land out. And the other one is just pure rental. Do you have chickens? We have had chickens in the past. You ate them, didn't you? Chickens are a pain in the ass. Are they? Oh, yeah. They smell. But what about the eggs? The eggs every morning. I know when we go to Croatia, I get so happy when I get the fresh eggs. Like to go down and take the eggs from the chicken... And cook them that morning. I'm just like, this is this is great. Yeah, it's really a this pleasure. is hilarious. Just last night, I had a conversation with Todd Herman about this. About like, you you guys think it's great, but when you have to do it yourself, when you go down yeah, and you yeah. stick your hand in there, and the chickens are rude to you, yeah, and yeah. yeah they're freaking. The out eggs are covered you. in chicken shit. Like, this is not a great job. Yeah, yeah, our chickens used to live where they would. Our the horse in the farm would live too, and it was kind of petrifying if the chickens were all running around you, and it was a little dark, and the horse was moving around. And you're trying to get to the eggs, and you're like, "What the hell's going on here, man? I'm gonna get trampled by either a chicken's gonna peck me in the head, or this horse is about to kick me." So like, that was Austin's business for a long time. Back when he was like eight, nine, it was the chickens and then he would sell the eggs. But I think he was only selling them for like two or three dollars a dozen. So when he worked it out, he was like losing a lot of money after the feed. Got it. You know, Jim, Jim Shields did that too with his kids. He had uh, one of his early, so he homeschools his kids. And one of his first kids' early business was they, they ended up building a chicken coop. They got a couple chickens, and he was trying to teach them, like, what price he had to sell to get it. And he was surprised by it. It was, it was interesting. So I guess for kids, it's a, it's a decent little bit. It can be a de- decent little business to learn a lot of the, the different things, like what's involved in kind of the, the, the inventory and the production and, and, like, taking care of the animals. And then, totally. And, then and, the, in the, the res- and I feel like in the city, in the States, you can have a chicken coop. Like, I don't know if in Toronto, can you have a chicken coop? They changed it a few years ago. You're allowed to. You're allowed to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They changed it a few years ago. You weren't allowed to, but I remember reading about it. I don't know how many people actually do because in some of the back, I mean, the back, a lot of the backyards are tiny, right? In Oakville, can we have a chicken coop? I don't know in Oakville, but I know I'm. I'm like, look, I'm like 90% sure they changed it in Toronto. I could be wrong. This is amazing. But now I love it. it my neighbor had some chickens. But so we uh, got rid of our chickens. Yeah, you said they smell because our neighbors would always come and take all our eggs. 
We're like, that's cool. We're sharing. So now that we don't have chickens, they got chickens. So now we go take off their eggs. Okay, so it's payback. <laughs> so we just I, like, oh, making some cake, wander down the road. When you have a farm, how do you rent out the land? Is it like just farmers will know they'll see different available land and approach you? No, it's a very tight-knit community. So a lot of the times, even when you sell farmland, it's not listed. It's all... Okay, so everyone's, ta- everyone's talking and they know yeah, that you land's you know everyone available. in the community. Okay, all right. And so you're uh, you're renting out land now on both, far- both farms. Okay. And then what made you guys buy a rental property in Brantford? Like, what's the thinking? Is this a, a cash flow kind of thing? Just a long-term asset you want to add to your lives? What was the decision-making around that property? Well, originally, we did it as a rent-to-own. Okay. We thought that would be a great idea. But we did it at kind of a poorer time where the market skyrocketed and our purchase price did not. So luckily, it worked out well for both both parties. They did not purchase the home because they inherited land on the reserve. Oh, wow. Yes. So they left the home. They left the home. What did you do? Turn it into a regular rental? Oh, yes. I am no longer giving up assets. (laughs) Yeah. That was a... I'm not sure why I did that. <laughs> it's, you know, it's pull, good. pull the mic straight onto you. There you go. It's good often when people are getting into investing because at first, you know, all the fears they have, it can remove a lot of the fears. But the downside is exactly what you said. If, if you have to, you know, once you, because the large majority of investors, once they've invested in like a single rental home property, at least the ones that we know or that we've worked with, um, will invest in multiple properties and they end up not getting, you know, all the things they were worried about, they're like, oh, I'm not so worried about this anymore. What else you got for me? And then if, if you know, if a rental, home, if they have a rental home property that buys out, they're like, oh man, I just lost that property. I don't, I want to, I want to hold on to these things, right? So yeah, it's funny how that, that changes. Yes, that's the stage we're in now. I just want to like hoard land yeah. and assets. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, you're doing a good job with the land. I want more land. I like the farm thing. Just as a side note, so I did look it up. Toronto had a, a pilot project that ran... Um, from 2018, so yeah, it was last year, to 2021, where you can own, uh, have hens, no roosters, in your backyard. Does it have yeah. a limit on the number? I think, it. I couldn't see it, but I think it does. that could go But crazy, could you imagine man. if someone had a bunch of roosters next to you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? In the Roosters city? are crazy, man. Roosters so, are scary. Yeah, there's, there's terms and conditions. Yeah, it's probably in here. I'm sure there's a limit. Otherwise, there's some people, yes. of course, that would have like tiny backyard with 45 chickens running around, right? Selling their eggs, and it wouldn't be for $2 a dozen in Toronto. They'd be making a, a, a big profit on that. We have a friend that does a CSA down the road from us, and it's like all organic CSA, and they have bees and the honey and the maple syrup What's and the CSA? eggs. What's CSA, sorry? Like, um, oh, I forget what it stands for. It's like a community garden, so you buy shares oh, into okay, it. Oh, okay, got it. And they do deliveries in Toronto. So they'll huh. once a week they'll come up and like have a draw or a pickup point where you can pick up all your food and stuff in Toronto. Yeah. There's big demand for that. I, the guy where I, the, where I get my beef, um, when I went up there last time, last year I guess, he someone had just left because I saw this kind of corporate looking van, like a really nice refrigerated van with the big kind of thing on top. You could see it was is all refrigerated, and he's like, yeah, it's a it's a guy from Toronto. I think it's a restaurant or something. He basically wants all his beef. And he's like, I can't. Like, then I'm just dependent on you. But he said, I just want it all. Like, don't sell to anyone. I want you to be my personal farmer. He's like, no. It's just that he's like, the demand's kind of there for that stuff. So it's growing. I, 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 this sounds ridiculous. I just think in the next 10 and 20 years, the division between like the upper class, middle class, and maybe kind of like a poor income level uh, is going to be the quality of food yeah, you that's eat. It'll be, it, hear, people won't be asking about what kind of car you drive anymore. Cause you know, I think when we were young, it was like, Hey, wow, your family has like a Mercedes, like a new Mercedes. You guys are rich, you know, but now I really think it's going to be quality of food. You know, it'll be, hey, are you, what access to food are you getting? Yeah, and that's kind be. of a shame to say, but I really think that's the way it's going to be. 
Um, so your farmland, hold on to the farmland. Yes. So any other, so then now are you, did you go back into like a corporate role at all? No, I became a strength and conditioning coach. So for how long have you been doing that? Well, I'm not doing it anymore. I did it. I, I can't at, keep trying. This is like the zigzag <laughs> of career. Okay. So yeah, you, you did that for how long? Oh, probably about 10 years. 10 years. Yes. You were doing that in Guelph, Brantford? I did it in Guelph. Yes. Okay. So I started at the... I think it was exclusively women's, and then they went under. So I worked at the athletic club, which is now Movadi. Okay. So I was strength and conditioning coach there for about ten years. Wow. Okay. So the timeline is: you finish Mohawk College, you get this marketing thing that you were doing yes. at Mohawk. Then you transition into strength and conditioning coach. Yeah. You're having kids at this time. Yeah. You're married at this time. Yes. You're have a farm two farms and a rental property in Brantford I have now I do now you have the rental property in Brantford um strength and conditioning for 10 years why did you get up stop that uh we moved back to the family farm so it's a 45 minute drive oh, into it. Guelph and I didn't need to anymore my rental income like surpassed my training income uh, so I didn't really need to that's always a good problem when work. your rental income <laughs> yeah. surpasses your, your job <laughs> yeah Okay, so that's a good... Barbie, how old are you? Now, 37. Yeah, you. I feel like at 37, you have a couple lifetimes of, of adventures to, yeah, go, yeah. to go, already go through. So you have... Um, when did you stop being a strength and conditioning coach? How many years ago was that now? Mm, like six. Six years ago. So now, what are? how are you occupying your time? What do you... What do you uh, oh, the, when does the Brazilian jiu-jitsu come in? I forgot about this whole part of your life. Um, you, I started Muay Thai about six years ago. Okay. Why Muay Thai? I just wanted to do... You wanted to just smash people in the <laughs> no. face with your knees? <laughs> I just, that's, that's a benefit. I just wanted to do some kind of martial art. And I had a couple people recommend uh, to go to Mass Thai Boxing that okay. actually but, competed at competing gyms. Wow. <laughs> so they all recommended I go there. They did Muay Thai. I'm like, all right, let's sign up. But why martial arts? I think it was just like a, a different outlet for me. I can already like push and pull and throw heavy things around. I did more like the Olympic lifting kind of CrossFit style of training. And I just wanted to carry that into like moving my body more. I did competition, like fitness competitions, but I didn't really like that style of training. It was really boring. And I, I felt that I wanted my that, body to be more functional than pretty. Yeah, got it. Because when you're, when you're trying to make it pretty, you're just doing kind of individual exercises to exercise one aspect of your body, right? Yes, it was I find horrible. that excruciatingly, uh, totally boring. So boring. Yeah. Okay, so then you come in, you go into martial arts, you go into Muay Thai because you want to smash people in the head. <laughs> Have you been smashed? Did you start smashing people in the head? Um, I haven't had any like legit Muay Thai fights. Um, I put my kids in Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu. And then a couple years in, Emily told me that I needed to level up and start training Jiu Jitsu. Emily, this is your daughter? Uh, yes, okay. when she was six, she called me out. <laughs> Okay, so you transition from Muay Thai. Do you still do some Muay Thai stuff? Yeah, I do both now. Okay, and then jujitsu at the same gym or different? Yes, yeah, so the gym? same gym. I literally like mm, two feet over there is the jujitsu mat, and that side is the Muay Thai. Okay, and so how long has been jujitsu? Has been then what four years? Yes, I've been doing jujitsu for four years now. And you said you're a blue belt. Yes. How do the jujitsu belts go? So it goes for adults. It's white, blue, purple, brown, and then black. That's it, eh? Yes, but like it takes hello time to yeah, get there. I yeah. know. it's Because I feel like in karate, 
I was able to get to my white belt second stripe pretty quick. And I feel after a white belt second stripe, well, all you no, need is you a just have to do that kata thing yeah, where yeah. you just like basically walk around the floor doing some like karate kid moves up and down. I remember when uh, I think right when before I was going to get my yellow belt, like they did some like initial sparring and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like I'm going to fight <laughs> this kid in front of me. Like all I know how to do is like some upper block, you know, like a, yeah, yeah. a karate punch. The way they taught you was just like pull back and like, it was like I know nothing how am I gonna like start sparring against some other kid and I was a small kid so it's not like I, I didn't start growing until high school so doing this in grade school or whatever that was crazy I think after I got my yellow belt I thought I reached the pinnacle and I quit <laughs> of my karate experience but uh, did you stay longer than that I don't know there were some interesting drills they at one point they had me punching the wall like there was a board on the wall and you just had to punch it because it would toughen up your knuckles and I'm like so that this just doesn't, doesn't seem wise I'm like this doesn't seem normal to me either yeah. <laughs> yeah. was that the place in Etobicoke that we went to yeah. that kind of basement yeah, that was yeah, that yeah. place did you go to the place that our father took us on Dundas where he used to go a little bit I don't think as much yeah. I, I, I for some reason I remember the one in Etobicoke I, I, re I know where you're talking about and okay. I think I do remember going there once or twice but I remember going frequently to the other one Barbie our father got his brown belt he couldn't get his black belt at the time because there was a written component and our father's English is not strong so there was no way he was going to pass any written component oh, to get crazy. his black belt but I guess he felt like he had to prove that he was a black belt so when they would do sparring he would take it I think a step too far um, if you know so, our, yeah. fa our father's rather intense um, and I think he would try to like like just punch people pretty hard during the sparring and the reason we think this is the case because he would come home sometimes and we're like dad why is your window uh bashed in on your car no way yeah yeah totally so what was happening is he was like kind of beating people up and sparring and i guess he was going across the line and they would like break his window in the he's parking that guy lot. he's that guy sometimes they would key his car yeah he would probably do that and then laugh at them too to be fair yeah because yeah because yeah. like, he would be like you, you know they would think he would think that they thought they were better than him so to prove a point yeah you know, yeah, 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 yeah. He would take things personally that ne weren't necessarily personal, but yeah. just different culture, right? Came yeah, times like were different, different back then. Yeah, 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 different yeah. culture. Um, and then English not being his first language, who knows what was all yeah, going on. Yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah. so you you get into the jujitsu world, but then you start, do you start competing before you get your blue belt? I feel like you've yes. been traveling the world competing. Yes, I jumped in competition pretty early. I think I was only, I started, did my first competition in like four months. And it, that was a local competition here? Yes. How did that go? I won. Did you? I did. Usually you lose <laughs> your first competition. Yes. You went, you well, the strength and conditioning background would help too, right? Especially early on, especially early on, because a lot of people just get into jiu-jitsu, they don't have the strength and conditioning component. So it gives you a huge, uh, a huge advantage early on. So being having that component and then putting some skill with it can really amplify things, I think. So yes, for sure. For me, my biggest attribute or my superpower would be my mindset I'm like my, my jiu-jitsu is like probably mediocre average but, but my mindset like I go in there and I know I'm gonna crush you like yeah got it so you're just like overly confident going in yeah your skill isn't matching your confidence your your, yeah. your confidence level no yeah, my, that's, a, that's pretty good my confidence is way higher than my skill level here I am I'm ready to dominate how long you've been training oh it's a solid four months at this point yeah. you're uh, finished you're, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Watch out. okay, okay so now you, you make it sound ridiculous so you win the, you win the competition um <laughs> then you go back you continue training how long does it take to get your blue belt is Depends like how often you train. Um, I got my, usually it takes, for like at our academy, it takes anywhere from like 
three years, probably a bit average. I got I got mine early because I won world, so takes I kind of had to get gold okay, on the world stadium in order to a lot to unpack here. First of all, it takes three years to get to the next belt in jujitsu. Jiu-jitsu How do these places yeah. make money? For the you know, in karate, <laughs> you always have to pay for your next belt. Like that's kind of the way they made money. But okay, so no, it takes, it's not a gift. You earn that. It's okay. So it takes three years to get your blue belt, and then what, like what, that's average. Tell us about the worlds that you like. What's this competition that you went to? Is this your first competition outside of Canada? No, I went to LA to compete. I think I messaged you guys while I'm there. Yeah, yeah. I remember the picture too. I feel like, but okay, you're in LA. Yes, I competed at the LA Pro. Um, I did a bunch of local tournaments too, but really going to the LA Pro gave me the confidence, like, hey, I can compete on the world stage. And so you were LA Pro after how long uh, were you training that you end up at the LA Pro tournament? Maybe just over a year. Do you go by yourself to these tournaments or did you take someone from your gym with you? I happen to be out there for conferences. I went to Brendan Bouchard's conference. Okay. So Brendan so Bouchard, I was out there. like a marketing kind of conference, authority marketing, something like that probably? Yes. Okay. Like self-improvement kind of thing. Okay. He's got a big package. Yeah, yeah. I was out there for four days at his conference in San Diego. And I'm like, ah, LA's close. I went to go train with Sean Williams for a week. Okay, who's Sean Williams? Sean Williams is a like highly revered Henzo Gracie black belt. Okay, got it. How do you uh, go train with him for a week? You just like reach out and say, I'm coming to LA? Well, being a part of the Team Henzo Gracie, we kind of have affiliates all over the world. So, How are you part of Team Henzo Gracie? That, is that the gym in Brantford that's part of that? No. So I train at a mass academy in Cambridge. Okay. And for jujitsu, we're affiliated with Team Henzo Gracie. Okay, so got it's kind it. of like our, our team family, and then there's affiliations all over the world. Okay, and for someone who doesn't know who why that's a big deal, can you explain? Hanzo Gracie is one of the original Gracie family members. Um, he's an outstanding UFC champion, pioneer of jujitsu, has grown the sport a long way, and he's kind of the one that we like model our programs after his training. My professor, Professor Pat Coolgames, like first Canadian black belt after like given to him by Hanzo Gracie. So they're super close. So it opens up a lot of doors for us. And the Gracie family started jujitsu. They started Brazilian jujitsu. Brazilian, Brazilian jujitsu. Because I think jujitsu is out of yeah. Japan, I think. Yes, Jap- no? Japanese jujitsu is yeah, a different style. Sorry, the Brazilian, Brazilian jujitsu. Okay. Yeah. So it opens which up is, a lot of doors there. Which is really interesting because. It, like so much in in martial arts has been around for so long like you know way before me but you know the brazilian jiu-jitsu that was really just started like it wasn't i don't i don't know the actual year but it really just started not that long ago and it was brought on the world stage when from the ultimate fighting championship when hoist gracie who was this tiny little midget skinny dude came in and started choking out all these big monsters. I remember he was wearing his gi and yeah. he would jump on a big monster yeah. dude and use his gi and to like everyone's choke like, the guy up. What's this guy? Yeah. What's this little guy going to awesome. do? Right? And, yeah. and and I mean, it brought it on the world stage and just the, the it, it exploded and that was only, I mean, I don't even know when the first UFC was, but that was what, 20 something years ago? Yeah, right? it's not long. So it exploded since then. So I don't know when they first started doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but I'd imagine what, 30 something years ago, maybe? I, I mean, it's not that that long ago. A couple generations ago, three generations ago. Oh, is it ago? even that? So it is that long. So then it was the, it was the exposure when Hoist went to the UFC that, that really made it kind of- Yes, made it more mainstream. Stage. Yeah, okay. So it was even longer than I thought. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but it was still really, fairly young for martial art. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And then it's developed even beyond from what from that point, from what I know, the people in jiu-jitsu, from that point, even 20 years ago to now, 
it's just developed because what happened when the masses started doing it and kind of like everyone started learning together with different things. I think the it just kind of the development of it just really kind of skyrocketed, right? Yes, absolutely. It's been adapted and yeah. it's grown and evolved. So because you're affiliated, you can go down to this LA gym that's part of the same affiliation, train there. Do they kind of corner you at this competition at all? Like, do you just walk into this competition by yourself? Well, I sign up. Usually, you don't go by yourself. You go with your coach and your team. But, but your everyone was flying to LA yeah, with me. Yeah, that, I'm that's, Barbie, that's, so that's why I'm know. asking. Yeah, so I just went by myself. Yeah, you're you're definitely a brave person. Yeah, it's awesome. I, every time I hear you, every time I see you at like an event or something, I hear a different story. I'm like, it's amazing. <laughs> the, the I love part hearing is it that all. You're in LA for this conference on like personal development, and you're like, yeah, I guess I'll just throw myself into yeah. this jujitsu uh, uh, Brazilian jujitsu tournament. And how did that one go? Um, it went well. I got gold. Okay, so you won that one. That was for. Uh, did you have your white belt at this time? Yes. Okay. So, so what is it? It's broken up. In, like, were you fighting other white belts? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Other white. Yeah, belt. you always fight your same level. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So then, after Wait, are there weight classes in jiu-jitsu too? In jiu-jitsu tournaments, yes. there are, right? Yes. Okay. Weight how, classes. How big? How big is the weight class? Like, what? What's the gap? Like, it depends on the federation. Oh, okay. So for IBJJF, I think they're around like maybe thirteen pounds. Okay. Um, for the UAE, for women, there's not a lot of weight classes. So <laughs> my particular weight class had a ninety-four, uh, forty-nine pound difference. No, well, that's <laughs> a big difference. Holy moly. So this is. Do you really want to make weight for that? So yeah, no. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because if you miss by a couple pounds, monsters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, and so is this is this one? Is this where you went to the worlds then? No, worlds was after that. That kind of gave me confidence. Like, okay, that's cool. I can do this. Okay, so you win the LA one, you get gold. What did people back in your gym say? Hey, congrats, Barbie. We knew you could do it. Or what's wrong with you? Why'd you go to that by yourself? <laughs> <laughs> Bit of both. I asked permission before I went. Okay. Um, you're, you're, from my coach to be like, hey, can I do this tournament? I know there's like no one there to support me. And he's like, okay, yeah, I've got faith in you. You can go do it. It's cool. So I came back. And then I decided that Wait I wanted second, to though, do when the... you win gold, like no one's there. Is your family or husband there? Is anyone there with you? I met a really nice girl from Russia who's okay. there by herself. So you too. win so gold, we, we and like, do they do a ceremony where they give you like a gold medal or something? Yeah, you just go on the podium. You know, I they... know, but like, there's literally no one there cheering for you. No, <laughs> so they cheer for the other people who brought teams. And in gold, which made, even ha- which made you probably even happier. <laughs> They're just crickets. I don't care. Really? I don't hear anyone anyway. Yeah, no, I, I don't get the sense that you care, but I, I just find that awesome. I would love it if there's just like one person in the crowd like, oh, yeah. Um, anyway. I just hear my coach. That's it. If my coach is there. I hear his voice. I don't hear anybody else. Yeah, got it. But your coach wasn't even there. No. Yeah, okay. Um, so then you go back home. Now, I'm lost because when do you go to the world and when do you go to New York to train with that crazy Brazilian jiu-jitsu dude? What's the timeline in that? So, I had to do the um, Abu Dhabi qualifier first before I could go fight at Worlds in Abu Dhabi. So, I had to ask my professor to get his permission to go do the Abu Dhabi qualifier. Your professor's your coach? Um, No, my coach is actually, he's a purple belt. So he works primarily at our gym and he's my like my coach I work with. And then we have our professor, Pat Coolgan. He is a black belt that oversees a bunch of different academies. Got it. Okay. You have to ask his permission. I have to ask his permission and he has to send an email saying that, okay, she is affiliated with me. She's legit. Okay. You can have her enter this tournament. So I did that. I was so scary. I was so scared to ask. Where, where was that? Where were the qualifiers? Toronto and Montreal. Okay. So you went to which city to do them? Both. Okay. How did that uh, that goes well? I assume. Did you win? 
I got I'm, second, so oh, I qualified. I'm so disappointed. I'm just I used know. to you winning a <laughs> How do you live with yourself getting <laughs> second place? Okay, and, that's, and that qualifies you to the Worlds? Yes. Okay. So now tell me, do you go to New York to the... Uh, Donaher? Don't you go Danaher? to... You, Danaher? Danaher? Um, no, I think I I think I went to Worlds before I even trained with Dan Her. Okay, so tell us about World, Worlds. Yeah, what? so it's in Abu Dhabi every year. So we take a team to go fight at the World Championships in Abu Dhabi. It was super awesome. Uh, most of the team wasn't there when I was, though, because as the white belt, you fought a week earlier. So one of my other teammates went down there to help coach me, which was awesome. There was four people in my division. But again, it was the confidence thing. I had to cut weight for that because I'm... I registered on the weight class below the 40, okay, 45 got it. pound yeah, gap. Yeah. So I'd cut weight for that. That was like the most weight I've ever cut before. I was trying to weigh in and I couldn't talk because I had no saliva left in my mouth. Wow. Got it. Crazy. And so then um, how many, fi- four people? So is it like a kind of semifinal, final kind of thing or round robin? How does that go? I think it was a round robin. I had three matches to gold. Okay. And uh, you win the. I remember you won this because I know the picture. You sent us a picture with your gold medal with that one of those big Abu Dhabi buildings kind of behind you. That picture's like etched yeah, in my mind. Yeah, it was awesome. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Burj Khalifa. Okay, so then is your school at this point or your gym just used to you just winning shit now? Well, I don't win all the time. No, I know. You didn't have that <laughs> second place, which is an embarrassment. It is a blemish on your record. Um, okay, so you do win the world. You come back. Uh, you, you then, uh, is your family with you in Abu Dhabi at all? No. So you're just reporting back to your kids because your daughter said you had to step up. So now you're stepping up. Yeah, I stepped now up. You won, you won worlds. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay. So then how do you, because I want to bring this guy's name up in New York. I, I don't even know how to pronounce it. Is it John Danaher? John Danaher? Yeah, Danaher. Because he's like uh, George St. He was trained with George, or he coached George St. Pierre at some point. Because I remember watching all the UFC embedded series and all the pre, uh, the 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 kind of little intros to the UFC events. And he's always in there being like the mastermind with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for GSP. Yes. Um, so you go down and train with this guy a little bit? Yeah, so we've gone down a couple times with the team. Uh, Professor Pat has a lot of opportunities available to us, so I've taken Emily down. And we usually go down for like four days and go train with John and Hanzo. And it's an absolute blast. Yeah, got it. Okay, and then when do you get... Uh, so now you have your... How long did it take you to get your blue belt? I got it when I won Worlds. Okay, got it. Right so on the scene, your coach. I had to earn it. Yeah, got it. So, and there was uh, your coach there to give it to you? No, I had to wait for Professor Pat to fly in a couple of days later with the rest okay. of the team. Yeah, that's very cool. Cool. Good. Yeah, I was you. so surprised. Yeah, this is a crazy. I don't even know how you quit high school and work at Microsoft <laughs> and end up in Abu Dhabi winning the worlds. But I just I wanted, like to travel. Yeah, yeah, no, sure. Yeah, no, it sounds sounds like you'd like to travel while you roll around beating people up, but um, and taking the Brendan Bouchard uh, personal development stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I want to get back to just uh, real estate in a second. What are you explaining? How are you talking to your kids now about real estate? Do you uh, explain like you know they're very involved. Yeah. Even in the Reno, they're like steam and wallpaper off they're working just like we are like i go through the numbers with them emily helps show properties with me we have a system now because kids they're like animals they they sense the fear they know the real personality and i can tell how a tenant is going to treat a property on how they treat my kid Hmm, right that's interesting are they disrespectful to my kid do they like oh shush off like do they ignore her how do they treat emily right and she started doing this when she was eight so she'll literally 
like we take turns answering the door and showing them around because we use your principle of like let's get as many people there as we can I just pack it so I have like 50 people the demand is huge it takes like one hour of my time it's amazing she's pretty in tune with stuff too because I've met Emily a few times and she seems like she's just pretty in tune with what's going on around her she's you know very I mean? socially aware yeah yeah which is which is a good skill to have like like in so many whether it's real estate investing or just anywhere it's it's, it's a really good skill to have and I don't know if she's been lucky enough to develop that because of all the experiences you've exposed her to or other things but that's that's pretty cool I think the experiences help. We we get a lot of flack for taking her out of school. Every year she's out of school a little bit more than a month to travel for jujitsu, like to go down to New York and train. So she can just walk into an academy she's never been to and walk up, shake the black belt's hand and say, thanks for having us. Where's the women's change room? Yeah, that's cool. At that age to be yeah, able to do that. Cool. Yeah. yeah, I could see how the school would be giving you guys flack, but... Uh, I could just see the life experiences that she's getting. Oh, gosh. Like Absolutely. Like she's sitting next to John Danahar while yeah. he's teaching leg locks on the mat. Like you can't get better. It is a different type of education. And she's, you know what I mean? Like, like to learn that is, is using a different part of her brain to be able to learn that and then execute it with her body and stuff like that. So that provides just long-term value in her life, which I don't think the typical average school system or school educator is going to kind of like respect that the same way. They think that, if she's not reading whatever it is that she's, you know, whatever that book is assigned that week or whatever, that she's missing out on something grand. But I think she's gaining far more. Absolutely. She's learning dedication. She's learning resilience. Like she's learning high performance. Yeah. Like, like life skills. Like some things in school are bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> so when she comes to you at 18 and drops out of high school, what are you going to say? Well, she's already going to have a plan. Yeah, got it. <laughs> like uh, <clears throat> through... Uh, like just different education books, like I was telling you, she has read Currency Wars. She's done her book reports on the GSP. Yeah, I just book. gotta pause like, you here for a second because Currency Wars is a pretty advanced book written yeah. by an analyst uh, who's his name's James G. James G. Rickards. He's one of our favorite economists. He calls himself an analyst. She's read that, really? Yeah. I know. Wow. Like this book, <laughs> I was given to grown adults, and they read that book, and they're like, "That was pretty heavy." You know, and your daughter's reading this book. But not only does she read the book, she did a report on the book and presented it to her class. I know. Screw just, fancy Nancy. Like, let's move th- it up. Just think what that class was. Just what think the of the teacher. teacher. Thought. She failed that like for sure. Talk. I would like she to either failed that or the teacher's like, I don't understand it. Yeah. So I must just give her a name because I don't know what's going on. When she did this? That was last year. So grade seven. Four. So grade four. So <laughs> in grade four, seven. I would like to discuss the global monetary policies of the world right now and, and their impact on Canada. Oh my um, But I look at the books that they give her to read. I'm like, this isn't going to make you smarter. Here, read this. Yeah, I could just see you no, at a parent-teacher cool. interview. Um, you must be all kinds of fun when the teacher sees Barbie my, coming in the room. <laughs> you know what? My, <laughs> like, oh my, my daughter reads a lot right now. Like she's She actually pumps through books, and um, I haven't yet. So she's in grade three, and I haven't started putting those types of books in front of her. But now you've got like me thinking that I'm, I was planning on waiting too long. What the hell? <laughs> Here. Ella, forget. Like, uh, she's not fancy Nancy. It's it's a little bit. It's beyond that for sure. But uh, some sort of novel, you know, kids' novels. And I'm like, well, yeah, maybe I can start brainwashing with other things sooner. Exactly. <laughs> I know for me, and I don't want to like force her into my uh, patterns. But like, I don't read fantasy. I don't. If it doesn't make me smarter, and if I can't use this information, like, I'll go do something else. Yeah. And if she decides that she doesn't want to, then you're not like you well, have to read this. But but yeah, if she's up for it, and if she was liked it enough to do a report on it, then yeah, she's into it. Absolutely. So I, I encourage her to pick out whatever your area of interest is. And like chapters is the go-to. Or, and I even have Audible, like extreme ownership. I'm like, Austin, you got to read this, buddy. 
So he like they listen to the books as well. Have you heard? Have you listened to David Goggins book? Can't hurt me. I was just given oh, it as a yeah, gift. Tom, Tom know the audio. The audio's incredible because it's his friend who reads the chapters. Then after every chapter, David Goggins comments on the chapter and gives like extra commentary on what was happening. It'll blow you away. That one on Audible, but I think he's swearing right through the commentary. Like, and his life story is rather intense, especially his upbringing. Like, he's he's really yeah. beat and abused as a child. So just 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 so you know, yeah, first pre-read few, before giving it. Yeah, yeah, that one. The What's first it called chapters, again? I, I think it's "Can't Hurt Me." Okay, perfect. Because um, I have to leave. I'm going for a 45 minute drive actually right now. So I, I, it was really good. I'm yes, going to take off. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, and I'm going to download it right now. I'm going to go buy it from the car and I'll start playing it. Yeah, in the yeah car. awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, it's awesome. The first, you have to almost get through the first few chapters because it's about his upbringing. Well, but then I, once he gets into the Navy SEALs and about his training. Yeah, but because oh. I've listened to other interviews and stuff, like I'm actually interested in, in, Yo, in, in it already because I know some of the basis of it. So I'm interested in it for sure. So I'll grab it. So thanks, Barbie. I'm going to take off. Guys, so I'm gonna take have a great day, Nick. Uh, so Barbie, what I was going to ask is, are you trying to explain, like, I mean, your kids are young money and investing to your kids at this age already absolutely okay and so how do you like what are you explaining like rental properties how do you break it down is there a is there a way that you're trying to explain it oh the way i position it is do you want to rely on someone else for your income right now austin works in a dairy farm cool. he is scrubbing poop off walls yeah awesome. and it's pretty horrible like in the cold you can imagine working with yeah, water yeah, yeah, in like negative yeah. 13 in an open barn so I'm glad that he has an absolutely horrible job so he can learn. Do you want to do this for the rest of your life? Because other people at the farm are in their like 40s. Yeah, got it. So okay. it's a motivator. So he's kind of getting into the Amazon retail arbitrage a bit too, giving him other options. So the education about the Amazon, the rentals. Emily's more into the rental thing, but got he it. understands the concepts. Got it. And just making your own money so you're in charge of your future. How have you tried to teach them? So for anyone listening to this, when Barbie's mentioning Amazon arbitrage, a lot of different people are going on Amazon right now. They're using different tools available to you to find out who's searching for different products and then seeing how much supply is there. And if demand exceeds supply, you then come up with a product to satisfy that demand. And uh, we know a ton of people doing that kind of stuff. So he, that's cool. So he's kind of researching this and trying to play around with this a little bit. Yeah. So he's looking at the tools right now to figure out, okay, so that's selling, but like you say, but there aren't a lot of them and going to see what he can find at Walmart. That's like on sale. That's on demand on Amazon and how much of a margin he can make, how quickly he can sell it. Yeah, God, I was just reading. Uh, I can't remember the product. Somebody just bought a whole bunch of stuff from Walmart. I think it was, you know what I think it is? I think it's those Monopoly games for millennials. Have you heard of how they made Mon Monopoly for millennials? Ruth, have you heard of this? It's like the credit card one instead? No, it's, it's brutal. Like, I feel like it's totally offside. It's like, it says, uh, it says stuff on the game, if I'm remembering this properly, like, why try to buy a home because you'll never be able to afford it anyway like it's, it's so brutal it's like ripping at millennials and apparently they sell it at walmart some kid i read about went to a few walmarts bought them all and is selling them online i think maybe just on like an ebay but like marking them up like double and selling all these products so i think that arbitrage opportunity is available in so many areas and the reason i think it's so good for him to learn these concepts is because when we put our first search engine optimized website together, it was the same principle. Look at the keywords that are uh, in demand. Look at the supply. Where can I arbitrage this a little bit? Where can I create some articles that where people are going to find them? And that has really driven a lot of traffic for previous kind of smaller businesses we had and for Rockstar Real Estate. 
I mean, we get a ton of traffic from a search engine optimized website that we put together like 10 years ago. Um, so the principles that he's learning now have so many applications because even if he doesn't uh, take them and use it with Amazon, it's the same concepts in business. Absolutely. You, you know, like where can you figure out where your little niche is going to be? So that's very cool. So your kids um, are uh, giving Currency Wars presentations in grade four, learning, learning <laughs> Amazon. Has he come to, you know, we have a course here. Greg and Brian teach the course. I went to China. You went to China with them, but Austin, he didn't go to China. No, Had, he didn't. Did he come to the course here? He did actually. He's been to the classes. Yeah. Okay. So a couple Rockstar members are teaching this concept here at Rockstar to Rockstar Inner Circle members. So that's cool that he came. And then when you went to China, how was how was that experience? Did you learn anything? Amazing. From? I absolutely loved it. Because you went to the big trade show. Yes. Yeah. Got it. We went did, to the EU market. And you were just this was for your own exploration, trying to figure out how it all works. Yes. Well, I wanted to start a brand to help the jujitsu community, so I've done that. So the company Alavada, what we do is our... You, you've given me a beautiful t-shirt that's sitting right in front of me yes, right now. Yes, it's and gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of effort into that. Yeah, yeah. So tell us about it. So our goal as a company is to impact 100,000 people through the donation of uniforms, tournament fees, and training scholarships. So primarily children who can't afford to train or can't afford a uniform. So we have come up with a bunch of products like Emily and I. I created a jujitsu training journal. So it's based on like there's a section. I call it the pull your shit together section. Okay. So it's how to create a vision for yourself, how to set goals. It's basically a workbook you can fill out on how to guide yourself towards your goals. And then there's like a daily training section, a seminar section, tracking your tournament results and such. And it's got like gratitude and happiness factors built into it. So it's like a combination of a bunch of different journals, but Very geared cool. towards jujitsu. So that's one of the products we offer. Um, we also do these ranked bracelets. Awesome. So they're real stone according to your belt color. And then there's the Japanese lettering for jujitsu on the top. Oh, so beads. cool. So you get the you get the one to match your belt level. Yes. Got it. Cool. So these are kind of some of the reasons why we went to China. And your hat I sourced in China as well. So meeting with manufacturers, getting like exact yeah, specifications, wow. exact quality. Yes. Holy smokes. It's super warm. This this you got from China? Yes. Wow. Yeah, no, it's a good quality one. I really wow. learned so many things go into it. Like that hat went through three different manufacturers in order to get it to that state. So when you went to China with Greg and Brian on their trip, you went to the trade show just kind of looking for products like this? I had a couple products in mind. Okay. And were you was it easy to find somebody making a toque of this quality? No. Okay. But you tracked it down eventually? I had to, I learned to be demanding because I'm like, oh, nice Canadian, right? And they're like just yelling at me in Chinese. So I kind of had to like step up. Okay. God. So it's a, it's I negotiation like back and back. I feel like Muay Thai there. <laughs> yeah, just started smashing people. <laughs> have to uh, uh, get my alter ego going there. Okay. So you found a toque and then you just went back and forth. When you came back to Canada, did you go back and forth with a couple of them to come up with the final product? No, I did primarily the work there because. Oh, you did? You had enough time? I made time. So how many days did it take you to get like a prototype? I negotiated with them while I'm there and told them exactly what I wanted. Okay. And then they shipped the prototype to me when I got home. Okay, got it. I see. But I, I nailed down exactly what I wanted out of things. The bracelets, I had prototypes and everything before I left China. 
you did it. They can make them that fast. Yes. Okay, got it. So you're at the trade show. You tell them what you want. Do you meet them back at the trade show or do you go to their factory or whatever to pick up what they've created? It depends how close the factory is. Makes I just sense. met them okay. at like the trade show. Yeah, got it. Okay. So um, that sounds like it was a great experience. Nick and I still want to go. That's it. Just our, the dates have never worked out with us, but we're going to go at some point. I think they're going again this year. Yes. Um, In April. Yeah. Is that when it is? Um, so it's coming up. Um, so yeah, it sounds like we're not going on the April dates. Um, but, uh, okay. So then tell us more. So the URL for this website is it's www.elevata. So E L E V A T A B J J.com. Okay. And you've launched this now you're running it yourself. Yes. With Emily. Emily and I, yeah, you and Emily are running this stuff. Um, how long has it been live? Like, have you sold? Like two months. Okay, so you just launched. Yeah, it's brand new. Okay. So we've had, like, the products, like the hats, the journals, the bracelets. We have t-shirts now. People ask for them. So that's all been live for two months. And um, for every bracelet purchased, we donate right off the bat brand new ghee to a child in need. So right now we're just designing the geese. And we have, like, a first order of 10 that we're going to get out to children in the next month. So that's awesome. super exciting. Awesome. So every bracelet that you buy, a full gi, it seems like the cost doesn't make sense there for the bracelet to uh, to allow you to buy a gi. So the bracelets are 129 each. That's what those bracelets cost. Yeah. Got it. Okay. 129 each. That includes the gi donation to a child in need. I awesome. mean, my, my largest fees are the ghee donation and the shipping because I still have to ship the ghee to the child in need. Yeah, got it. So okay. it covers all okay, that. So the bracelet does cover your cost then. Yes. Okay, perfect. I'm and debating. I might do different models in the future. I might be like a, a lower price. So every two bracelets, like donates a ghee kind of thing. But right now we're just kind of playing around with the model and see how it goes. Okay. And then the t-shirts and the hats, is it a percentage of that? Like, how do you run that? I don't yeah, even know if I should just, be asking you these questions. You can just tell me to shut up. If I <laughs> no, that's cool. Details of this. So um, it just kind of all goes in because we have to cover our costs, like our accounting and like yeah, like yeah, paying yeah. for booths at yeah, trade yeah. shows yeah. and all kinds of different things. So then just our profit out of all of that will go towards more geese and the uh, primarily going to be tournament fees yeah, for cool. the kids. Barbie, this is so cool that you're now taking, because you're taking basically way back when we talked about your marketing stuff that you took at Mohawk. And I know you've been a member of ours and we're always yammering on about marketing and things like that. And you obviously love this stuff. It's so cool to see you turn all of that knowledge into something that you're passionate about. And not only is it something that you're passionate about, it's giving back to the community. Absolutely. So, so uh, yeah, completely ridiculous. You're, I, and you're, does, do people at your gym know that you're doing this? Yes. Yeah. How are you going to find the, how does it, how will it work? How will you find the kids in need? Just go around to schools maybe and see who's participating in jujitsu or some of the jujitsu schools in the area? I have a pretty large network in jujitsu right now. So reaching out to different professors around, a lot of them have connections um, Got it. in this country with program, nonprofit programs that are running for like after school programs for children and abroad in different countries as well. Yeah. Awesome. So I right feel- now I actually have more need already than really eh? like he's available to give so the more we ramp up and the more we're able to generate the more we'll be able to give so and we'll, support the we'll put a link to this so if you're listening to this you can get uh, uh, recordings and access to all the podcasts at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash podcast I'm starting to think we need to number all our podcasts because um, it's hard to find them, but we'll label this one. When you find Bar- Barbie's name, will be will be in the title. If you click on it, we'll have a link to your website 
so that if you're listening to this and you're on the road or whatever, you can go to rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash podcast. You will find Barbie's podcast link there and we'll put a link to this uh, in there so that people can kind of click on it and support you if they feel like it because this is a cool cause. That'd be awesome. But, I actually have a code made for um, Rockstar members too because I know a lot of us do jujitsu in the Rockstar community. So if you go to elevatabjj.com slash rockstar, then that will send you an email with a link that you'll get 15% off. Yeah, awesome. And so this podcast is going to be listened to by many more people than just Rockstar members. Are you cool hanging up? Yeah, that that's fine. Yeah, okay, okay. Fired up. Okay, cool. So um, elevata.com forward slash Rockstar. Elevatabjj.com. Elevatabjj.com forward slash Rockstar. And we will put yes. that full link in the show notes for this episode. Awesome. Um, I, if anyone's listening to this and hasn't gotten started with real estate investing, what would you tell them? Do you uh, you must get people even at uh, Jiu Jitsu uh, BJJ talking to you about real estate? What do you tell people? What would you tell someone who's thinking about getting in but a little bit scared? Because that's mostly how people are. Yeah, so I get people reaching out to me all the time. Um, first thing I ask them are, what are your goals? Like before you start in real invest, real estate investing, you really have to know why. Do you need cash flow now? Do you want to build assets for the future? You have to figure out what your goals are and then work backwards from there, kind of reconstruct it backwards as to what kind of category of real estate would be good for you. Do you have the down payment? Is that an area that we need to address kind of thing? But get started early. Early has helped me for sure. Mm-hmm. That's the uh, the biggest asset to anyone getting involved in real estate is time. Um, but then having said that, I do meet some of even my own friends who are kind of in their 40s. I'm 46 now. And some of them tell me, ah, Tom, I'm not going to get started in real estate now. Like I'm in my 40s. I'm like, no, you you can still get started in real estate. 40s young. Yeah. And you're like, this is a young age. So don't feel like you can't get started now. But your idea of starting with the goals is really smart because some people want cash flow. And if you need the cash flow right out of the gates, it really dictates the type of investments that you should do. Absolutely. Versus if you have the income that you need elsewhere and you're willing to sit on some assets, you might take less cash flow to get a property in a different area that you might feel appreciates a little stronger. 100%. Yeah, smart to go with that. Um, Before we wrap, Barbie, anything else on your mind that you wanted to share? Well, I just want to thank you guys for this opportunity and for over the years, all the education that you've provided me in the last eight years and going through your marketing classes are awesome and just the general network of people that you've accumulated and created has been amazing. So thank you for that. Yeah, very cool. Thank you for that. If we can be a small part in your crazy, awesome life, that is, uh, we feel really, <laughs> you have been for really, sure. really blessed. So, um, elevatabjj.com forward slash rockstars the url um to get to barbie's brazilian jiu-jitsu stuff it's actually not brazilian it's supporting brazilian jiu-jitsu but they're beautiful beads and beautiful merchandise that you can get there we'll link out to it barbie really appreciate this the pictures one of your pictures of you standing with your gold medal i think with our t-shirt on yes in front of that abu dhabi building i think it's right outside in the hallway here on one of our big kind of murals with everyone's picture so thank you for being a supporter of ours over the years we uh we really feel grateful awesome thank you hey everyone so hopefully you enjoyed that i'm going to hand out barbie's url one more time because we definitely want if i mean if you feel like you should be supporting her here's where you want to go it's elevatabjj.com that is www.elevatabjj.com we'll put a link to that in the show notes of this episode you can get to the show notes of every episode at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash podcast so as you heard barbie's an amazing woman a great mom she's teaching her kids a whole bunch of stuff um i just in shock like as we went through that podcast just the different 
um, curveballs that she's had in her life. And I mean, curveballs in a positive way. She's chosen exactly what she wants to do. I mean, she basically is defining living life on your terms. So I was just kind of amazed at all the different things she's been through already. So definitely looking forward to seeing what she does with her life in the next 10 and 20 years with her husband and her family. Um, just all around great person. So thank you, Barbie, if you're listening to this for um, chatting. And if you are listening to this and you want to come out and figure out how real estate may play a part in your life, you can go to CanadianRealEstateTraining.com and register for our next free training class where it's a 90 minute class where we basically share all the mistakes we've made over the years with real estate and, uh, and all the successes that we've had. So you can learn from both the negative stuff and the positive stuff. We stick around after the class to answer any questions. We're really trying to be as helpful as possible. We are basically trying to offer for what we wish existed in a class format when we started investing in real estate. So you can register for that class at CanadianRealEstateTraining.com. It is always jam-packed, so you have to register. Someone from our office will reach out, either Jenny or Anthony, confirm your spot and give you all the details. With that, that's it for this episode. Until next time, your life, your terms.